quite shy and um, unaccustomed as I am to public speaking. Um, I might stumble a bit. I might stutter a bit. That, that's all part of it too. That's just to see, make sure that you're awake. And I'm so excited because we have been doing this series, and I can't help but sing it when it comes up, Love Thy Neighbor. That's all I'll say about that. But um, I grew up hearing that tune, and that's it. After that, I was sent to bed, which was probably a good thing. But we have been doing this series on Love Thy Neighbor because we all have neighbors, and we need to love them. That's what the Bible says. But firstly, let's pray. Let's ask God to have his way this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, we're asking, Lord, for you to be glorified and magnified. Lord, that we would see you working in this scripture as it will because it's your word. But, Lord, that you would stir our hearts and that you would speak into our lives, that you would guide us, encourage us, challenge us. And, Lord, that we would see you being glorified in Jesus' name today. Amen. Amen. Wow, here we go. My name's Corey, and um, uh, I'm so glad to see everyone here this morning. And uh, welcome to C3 Salisbury. And uh, we are doing Love Thy Neighbor. And by way of introduction, because a very good place to start is at the beginning. And uh, no, I'm not going to sing, but um, because it is, that's Sound of Music reference there. Um, by the way, by way of introduction this morning, I would like to bring your attention to the very word neighbor. And we can read it like this. We can say, neighbor, neighbor. Remember Sesame Street, guys? That's it. Bring the two together. So neighbor, it's one word, one word. But I find it very interesting. It's a describing word, really. Although depending on which part of the world you come from, it's spelt differently. So say if you come from the UFC, it'd be N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R. But if you're here in Australia, it's N-E-I-G-H-B-O-U-R. You know what the difference is? You. That's right. You. You the difference. That's right. Go on. You're on. You're on. You the difference. We've been called to get on the field. We're getting on the field this morning because you make the difference. And we make the difference because of Jesus, because he has given us the hope. He has given us his precious blood that has given us a hope, a second chance at life through his eyes. So this morning, we're going to read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 to 29. Read along with me. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Hallelujah. Great question. Great question. Who's called a neighbor this morning? A definition of the word neighbor says this. It's a noun. So it's a name of a place or a person. A person who lives near or next to another 
a person near or next to another person, which I just read out. So, how about that? Here's me saying, I don't think I need my glasses today. <laughs> Maybe I do. Um, so, I have a neighbour next door, and my neighbours have a neighbour, and that's me. We have neighbours across the road, down the street, around the corner. Everybody has a neighbour. So, we all have neighbours, but we need to love them. And you know, it's not just the neighbour within our postcode or our location, but we're talking about neighbours of interstate, different countries around the world. No matter what their beliefs are, we need to love them. Luke 10, 25 to 29, but I want to just touch 20, verse 25 says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So when I read this, I thought that the lawyer was expecting uh, to receive some kind of validation from Jesus and get the, you're doing all right. You get, good, good question, but that's all right. This one doesn't apply to you because you know the law. You've done well. A certain lawyer. He was an expert in Mosaic law. Now, in other words, it's like asking a rhetorical question. He already knows the answer, but he's asking it anyway. But he wants to show, oh, look, I know some things here. I'm just going to. Check, check this. Jesus is going to say, you're good. He knew the word. He was educated. He could articulate and navigate the legalities of God's word. But neglect the weightier matters, the issues of the heart. Verse 26 says, he said to him, what is written in the law? And what is your reading of it? That's an interesting statement, isn't it? What is in the law? What is written in the law and what's your reading of it? We can sit down and we can read a passage. We can read the front page of the paper, word for word, all read the same word, but we can all go away thinking something slightly different of what we've just read. But Jesus is the plumb line of truth. Hallelujah. He is that straight line. No matter how hard the wind blows, no matter how rough the earthquake is, how tall the tidal wave that comes through, his line will always be straight. He is always going to be true north because he is the truth. He is the way and he is the life. Verse 27 says, So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. He seems to rattle this off, doesn't he? Your soul with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. I get the impression that Jesus was challenging that this man was challenging Jesus. For example, if, uh, if you could tell me who your neighbor is, I'll love them. Just, just tell me. Tell me who my neighbor is and I'll love them. I'll show you how good I am. But the lawyer was probably expecting Jesus to say, well done, you've answered correctly. You know who lives next door to you. So just keep loving them. But what Jesus is going to tell him is going to challenge him about the rule of law and produce the spirit of the law. The law can just give the guidelines of what is expected, but the spirit of the law shows us God's love. God's love. The underpinning foundation. It's like you can build a house, you see all the bricks, and there's the foundation, and then there's the mortar that holds the bricks and everything together. You see, love and mercy demonstrate how the 
the law is acted upon. Verse 27 says, So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So the question is, what is written in the law? And the answer, the lawyer would have loved this part because he most probably knew it inside out. Maybe he could recite it. He could pretty say it in a few different dialects. He, um, he, was, he could tell you all about it. But that's why Jesus said, but what's your reading of it? We can repeat things parrot fashion. We can uh, say something. Well, who told you that? Why do you think that? Oh, I've heard that over here. But what's your revelation of it? I know what Jesus has done for me. And I know what Jesus has done for a lot of people here. And you know what? He touches hearts and he touches minds and he knows your past and he knows your future. So Jesus is zeroing in on an issue that the lawyer or the scribe would find exceedingly difficult to answer without making himself vulnerable. We find that hard sometimes, making ourselves vulnerable, because in our world, in our generation, we might find it as a sign of weakness. But it's not. Because as we lower our fences, as we lower our guard to Jesus, he's able to come in and help us rebuild. You could say that the focus of this conversation is beginning to change. So who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor this morning? More importantly, who is your neighbor this morning? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because a neighbor is a person in your neighborhood. In your neighborhood. They're the people that you meet when you're walking down the street. They're the people that you meet each day. Wow, that flowed nicely, didn't it? So I always feel like doing that when you say that, don't you? So you can do all that. But you know what? It goes further than that. A neighbor is a person in your neighborhood. How profound. I always wondered what those people next door were. Now I know. But it goes further. It would be a good idea to clarify the term neighbor. The first thing that comes to mind for most of us is the next door neighbor or the family that lives across the street. Correct? Correct. Okay. Next. All right, done that, done that. Yes. Well, they are, they sure are your neighbors, especially in the literal meaning of your word. But loving your neighbors means loving those who uh, you are in community with and those that you aren't. Those who live in your neighborhood and those who don't. Those who work with you, go to school with you, or even serve at your local coffee shop. Loving thy neighbor does not stop with those right around your residence. Your neighbor is everyone, including the least of these. Matthew 25, 40 says, And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Jesus is very, very interested in how we treat our neighbor. Very interested. Because it's not something that we take a crowd of people with us when we visit our neighbor just so that we can show off. This is something that we do personally. Interaction, there's connection, there's conversation. And you know, the neighbor's not just about location or suburb, 
not just someone who lives next door, as we've said, but he's our fellow man, no matter what their country of origin is. And over the years, neighborhoods have seen dramatic changes. When I was a child, you feel like saying, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, all the neighborhoods and the houses around our area, hardly any of them had front fences. You know, the doors were open. You knew the neighbors by their name. If you did something naughty, the neighbor would dob you in. You know, remember those neighbors? Yeah. So it's kind of a good and a bad thing, isn't it? But now neighbors have big fences, security systems, um, dogs, maybe recordings of dogs, like, be careful there. There's a lot of things. People build these fences so high to be safe. Jesus wants to bring those fences down so that they can be safe. And he wants to use us to invite the neighbor to Jesus. Doorbells, padlocks, gates, security lit entrances, those little intercoms that you can't understand people on. And they'll say, step back from the camera, and you can't hear them. Backyard fences were low enough for people to have a conversation over. They used to grow veggies and all this, and the kids would play cricket between houses and all that kind of thing. But the fences were like this. Isn't it funny? Security, we think fences go up. But then we become prisoners of our own fears, of our own existence. Jesus, come to set the captive free. Hallelujah. Fences began to get higher over time. And the knocks at the front door and familiar questions slowly disappeared. No longer was there, excuse me, mister, can I have my ball back? I reckon our neighbor had a collection. He could open a sports store. Yeah, there was that many in his backyard. You, used to, you could hear him, razzle, razzle, <laughs> Quick, kick another one over. You know, that kind of thing. But Things have changed. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2 says this, Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by, for, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Will you reach out to your neighbors? Will you reach out to your neighbors? Who can you reach out to today? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Who can you reach out to today? And I have to say it, it is so easy for us to reach out to good neighbors because you don't feel threatened. Good neighbors have good qualities. Good, neighbor, good neighbors bring you cookies. Good neighbors rarely gossip about you to your face. Good neighbors share phone numbers to help you out. You know, if you're struggling and you lock yourself out of your house. Good neighbors are tidy. They mow their lawn after the curfew. Good neighbors communicate. Good neighbors wave to you as you drive off in the car. And hopefully it's, have a great day, not like, take a long. <laughs> hopefully it's a nice day. Wave. 
But then we have bad neighbours. Now, we seem to know a lot of these. They walk their dog around the neighbourhood without, you know, picking up after the dog. They watch their neighbour's house even when they're not at home. Their, their security light creates and shines straight across <laughs> and into your bedroom. Now, why have they got it pointed here? The light's for them and their house, not my front door. They put their wheelie bins in a strategic position as to maximise the smell. You think, I thought they were allergic to fish. They send their kids over to the neighbour's house to play uninvited. And the neighbours don't even have children. We had a noisy neighbour once. I won't embarrass you. We had a noisy neighbour and we'd only been new in our house. And it was, you know, it was a bit of a yelling and all this kind of thing going on. Lisa was out the front gardening. And I thought, gee, she's been working on that plant for a long time. So I went out there to, what's going on? And I got, shh, shh, trying to listen. What's going on? Oh, oh, you know, like very subtle. Oh, okay, I get it. So I, I walked back inside and there was a bit of action. I thought, oh, gee, I don't miss this. You know, get inside, walked in the front door, into the lounge room. And I'm standing pretty at the window where the curtain is. And I'm, I'm just standing there watching. I thought, oh, this is really good. I can, I can see. I open the window. I can hear. There's a lot of things happening. And then I noticed Lisa looked up at me, and she's doing this. I thought, she's talking to me. But I'm inside. How can she see me? She comes in. She goes, you've got fluorescent orange on. So the neighbors are, we're watching them. They're watching us. <laughs> they're watching us, watching them. You need good neighbors, don't you? Neighbours you can trust. We're just helping them out. Keep an eye on them. Noisy neighbours. Quiet neighbours. Neighbours that do burnouts. You know, uh, it doesn't matter what postcode. You know, na- there's lots of arguments about neighbourhoods, isn't there? You know, if you're from the, the north with two Fs, you know, which I love to say, people go, oh, you're from the northern suburbs. Oh, that's where all the trouble comes from. You go, no, no, no. You know, we don't steal off each other. In the morning, we're up early on buses. We're heading up to Burnside. We're going... Yeah, empty buses. We're all coming back after. You go, wow, look at that. Where did they get the money for that? Oh, they didn't. They just went to Burnside. You got a flat screen, got a bike, got a whole lot. And it's like, and you can just see as the buses are coming back into the northern, there's high fives and, hey, where'd you get that? Oh, wow, awesome. Out tomorrow. Very industrious. It's amazing what people can do when they put their mind to it. Perhaps we could say that loving thy neighbor is not always going to be convenient. You know, oh, what now? It could be draining, like, okay. They could interrupt your plans. How inconsiderate. Craig Rochelle said, the decisions we make today will determine the stories we tell tomorrow. The decisions that we make today will determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. So how we treat our neighbours is profoundly serious. I have a story here. It's from a a, a website called Great Heroes. This really uh, touched me when I read it, so I wanted to share it with you this morning. 32-year-old Aaron Tucker of Bridgeport, Connecticut, this is in America, was just a week out of jail and had a job interview. So early that morning, he grabbed the dress shirt the uh, the halfway house had given him and headed off on the bus. A ways down the road, the bus driver spotted a car that had just hit a tree and flipped over. Aaron ran out of the bus, kneeled down, and unbuckled the driver. He pulled him away from the wreckage and kept telling him, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Moments later, the car was covered in flames. Aaron took off his nice, clean shirt and used it to help 
stopped the driver's head from bleeding. A few minutes later, firefighters and the ambulance crew arrived. Aaron missed his job interview that day. It was important to him, but something else became much more important, says Aaron. A job can come and go, but a life is one is a one-time thing. When members of the community heard about this story, his story, they started a GoFundMe page and they raised more than $60,000 for him. He also had many job offers to choose from. Loving your neighbor, you become a hero in your community. Loving your neighbor, you become an ambassador for Christ. Loving your neighbor means that you, as a representative of Jesus, you take the light of the gospel, the truth, the light, and you expose the lies, you bring hope, and you stand for Jesus in your community. Love thy neighbor. It is not a choice. It is not maybe, but it is a great and high calling. Can you hear the clarion call this morning? The call of clarity that Jesus wants us to stand up and to get into our generation, to go into our neighbors, our neighbors' houses, invite them, encourage them, show them and explain to them the hope of Christ. Because even when the disciples first started out after the resurrection of Christ, they turned their neighborhood upside down first. Hallelujah. And Jesus is in control. He is powerful. He does not uh, step aside. He does not avoid these issues. He goes head on, and we can follow him because he has already made the way. Hallelujah. You know what? Finally, this morning, and thirdly, this is not a joke. I had to be careful to say this one. This is not a joke because, so there's a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. It's not a joke. Yeah, I know. You've probably heard it before, right? Yeah. <laughs> It sounds like the beginning of a joke, but it's not. Luke 10, verse 30 to 37. We'll follow on. I know that some of you may have heard this story, but it's powerful. Verse 30 says, Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side also. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Can you say compassion? Compassion. Hallelujah. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, this is referring to our lawyer friend earlier, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. What a story. What a parable. There's so much here. I won't have time to go through everything because there's so much here. <laughs> but to set the scene, traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, the priest decided, hey, I'm not touching this guy. They weren't allowed to touch dead bodies. And he might have thought it was dead because then they're ceremonially unclean. 
The Levite, very similar. Hey, dirty. I mean, I've got stuff to do. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm heading somewhere. I've got, I've got to do the work of God. <laughs> Moves past this guy. But then it's interesting, isn't it? Jesus chooses a Samaritan who, you know, I'm sure that people in the crowd were like, why would you choose that? They're all thinking, Samaritans, are they bad? Is Jesus going to get stuck into this guy? We all know what Samaritans are like. You know, they follow the wrong football team. They live over the border. You know, they do all that. Can't speak properly. You know, that kind of thing. But the Samaritan, who also probably has a lot of good reasons to not enter in, like, oh, gee, uh, man, I've been picked on. I've been, uh, you know, I've, I've suffered from the hands of these guys. But he was a neighbor to him. Hallelujah. So this poor fellow on his journey was mugged and robbed and beaten and left for dead. Religious duty walked past. Got a good suit. Nope, I want to get dirty. Got some traditions. Nope, going to be late. The Samaritan, oh, what have I got? Whatever he had. He seemed to be prepared. Had oil and wine and bandages. Oil for healing. Wine for also for healing. Just keeping him comfort. There was no St. John's then, you know. Would have taken a long time. I probably only had two donkeys, you know. It's a long time back then. It was a dangerous part of the road. It was a very well-traveled road. Also a road that had quite a reputation of robbers. The Samaritan could have thought, oh, gee, this could be a trap. Maybe the, 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 the priest and the Levite also thought the same thing. But you know what? We don't need to fear men or man. We need to put our trust in God. And as we do, God will open the door. He poured in the oil and the wine. This was very serious, unlike the robbers of today. This precious man was brought back, was rescued. The Samaritan was a neighbor to this injured man who looked like he was at the point of death. That's why they stepped around him. So the Samaritan was, however, very brave, confronted his own prejudices and hurts and put them to one side. He stepped in to help when possibly everything within him was also telling him to walk on by. He might have felt that he had every right to walk on and maybe even cast an insult. But he was not the bad Samaritan. He was the good Samaritan. Even he had to make a choice. 1 Corinthians 10.24 says this, Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Galatians 5.14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's important for us to understand this morning that loving our neighbors is not just a simple task, but it is a call. It's a challenge, and it's a stirring. There is life in that. Hallelujah. I have at times uh, over the years found this to be challenging and yet extremely rewarding. 
It requires your entire self to be selfless. It can be inconvenient. It can be time-consuming. It requires us to show compassion and kindness and forgiveness and provide service and meet the needs to and for your neighbours. Yeah, I'm not just talking about they're having a Tupperware party, we're going to go and support them. I'm not saying that, right? What I'm saying is that, you know, someone, in, they've had a this tragic something that's happened and you can pray for them. You can get alongside them because their hope doesn't go as far but your hope goes beyond the grave. John 15, 12 says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love conquers all this morning. Love conquers all. Loving thy neighbor does not depend on a geographical location. It depends on the state of our hearts and the willingness to obey God's word. So here's my challenge to you this morning. God love your neighbor. Not you love your neighbor, as in by your own strength, but in the strength that God gives you and from his perspective, love people from God's perspective as he sees. If we desire to be that loving neighbor and to help others, we need to see our neighbors as God sees them and we can the blood of jesus washes us clean cleanses us gives us great clarity and you know this morning god is willing that none should perish but all would come to repentance and salvation he just doesn't give up he does not give up there are so many times through our lives where we think oh gee it's silent maybe god's busy Oh, I was just going to do this. And you get yourself in trouble. But God does not give up. He always is there waiting for us. When you're getting up in the morning and you're praying, there he is. When you're at work, you know, and the angel hip and shoulders, that car out of the way so you don't get run over. That's right. There he is. When that bill comes in, but you just happen to have enough money to pay it, you think, wow. God always provides. He's always there. He always goes before us. He always prepares. He's never caught off guard. I love saying that. He's never caught off guard. He's never surprised. He's never shocked. He's never like, oh, my goodness. Hey, boys, did you see that? What did he do? He knows. He has the perspective of he sees the beginning and the end and all that's in between but he sees through his eyes that are forgiving, loving, and has a plan of redemption and hope and mercy for you this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, chapter 13, which has a 1 and a 3, which makes it 13, um, is the great love chapter. And I really, this has really stirred my heart to read this this morning. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith 
so that I could remove mountains, but have not loved, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. My challenge to you this morning is God love your neighbors. Be his example. Be his ambassador. Be his representative to your neighborhood, to your workplace, to your family, to the person on the street. God love your neighbor. Not a lovey-dovey, worldly, temporary, reciprocated love. Not weirdo stuff. But from God's perspective, he brings clarity and the perspective of John 3.16, where it was so clear, so precise. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the love I'm talking about. That's the love that we need to show our neighbors. That's the love that's going to get you through. That's the love that no matter what's going on in the news, no matter what's going on in our country, around the world, that is the love that weighs in God's scales and is counted. God's love. That's what it's all about. Loving our neighbor. Showing Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is in control this morning. What a great series, Love Thy Neighbor. Very challenging. Let God stir you to acts of kindness towards people in your neighborhood. Because God gave us that act of kindness too, didn't he? 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and he took our place. He went to Calvary's cross. He allowed himself to be crucified and die. And hallelujah, he rose again. Amen. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads this morning. Maybe you've come into this place today and this is the first time that you've heard about Jesus and what he has done for you. You know, Jesus died on Calvary's cross for our sin. He took our punishment that we deserved because of sin. And there's that word, sin. Sin is the problem. Sin is the thing that separated us in relationship to God. 
So when Jesus died on that cross, he bridged the gap. He made a way so that no longer would sin be the stumbling block or the separator or the gulf in between. But Jesus became our bridge over troubled waters that we could now enter into a loving relationship with our Father. God, hallelujah. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, or you've never made that decision to have Jesus come into your heart, I would like to invite you to lift your hand this morning to symbolize that you recognize that fact and you want to do something about it because I would love to be able to pray with you this morning and lead you into a prayer of repentance and an invitation for God to come into your life. Maybe you once walked with Jesus, but your heart is now far from Him. But you also would like to come back. I would like also for you to lift your hand this morning so that we can pray a prayer of faith and that when you leave this place, you could have a confidence in your heart that you would know that you would know that if you were to pass from life into death, that you would make heaven your home. If that's you this morning, just simply lift your hand and I will see your hand this morning. feel afraid but we're gonna pray a prayer together and if if you if you want to you can you pray this for the first time I'd love to catch you catch up with you after I'd love to chat with you and encourage you let's pray this morning dear Lord Jesus I thank you that you love me I thank you that you died on the cross for my sin I'm asking you, Lord, right now to forgive me of my sin and to come into my heart and help me to live for you. I thank you now for your awesome gift of salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have prayed that, the first time or coming back to Jesus, please come to the front after the service. I'd love to see you. love to pray with you. And also, let God do what He does. Let Him inspire you to reach out to your neighbor. Be a godly neighbor to your neighbor. God so wants to get involved. It's His creation. It's His community. 
love thy neighbor. Hallelujah.